Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Happy Easter! Good morning. If we have not yet had the opportunity to meet, my name is Mark. I am the pastor here at Hope Church, and I am thrilled to be able to welcome you home here. If it is your first time here or your first time in a long time, I hope that you experience that warmth and that love and that grace of who God is and how he wants to create a space and a place for you here and a space and a place for you in heaven for eternity. And so thank you for being here as part of our Easter celebration. It is uh, such a joy for all of us to be able to welcome you and to help you know about that love and that peace of God as we gather here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that is why we are here. I, you know, the, the inner child in me, which uh, I like to joke is not very far beneath the surface, uh, loves Christmas. I love the joy and I love the peace and the, you know, I just love everything about Christmas. But friends, the world is different because of Easter. The world is absolutely different because of Easter. Every person in here has been born. Jesus was born. And he was executed. And he rose from the grave. And that is why we are here today to celebrate what you see on the screen behind me. The empty tomb. Now, I want to give just a quick thumbnail review of how we got here today. Uh, and I want to mention this as I offer an invitation. If you happen to have the Hope Church app downloaded on your phone or your tablet or whatever, go ahead and pull that up because we have follow-along notes. It is the second icon down on the home screen. Uh, it is the same image that you see on the screen uh, called Empty. And I would like to welcome and encourage you to follow along if you'd like. Uh, just as a way to help kind of bring all the information in and uh, dissect it and whatever, distribute it later. Uh, however it all works. But last Sunday... At the beginning of Holy Week, it's a day called Palm Sunday. And it's not necessarily talking about these, but palm branches. And we had our kids come in here, and they, they waved palm branches, and they sang. And, and we talked about the meaning of the word Hosanna. Hosanna. Now, that's a very special word. And as you'll see, it provides us an opportunity to find a shift in our focus as we go from the events of Palm Sunday to the events of Resurrection Sunday. And so we have, we have a screen here to help uh, break it all down so that you can understand it a little bit better. The idea of Hosanna, when it is translated, means save us now. So we talk about Hosannas on Palm Sunday when Jesus came triumphantly into Jerusalem to begin that Holy Week. He knew what was in store for him, but the people there, they didn't quite know or they didn't quite understand. They were looking for someone to come in as a political ruler or a military ruler or somebody to, to kick out the occupying Roman force. And so the people were waving their palm branches and they were shouting, Hosanna is a way to say, save us now. Now, Easter Sunday morning, we talk about hallelujah. Hallelujah, which says, on this, as you see on the screen, Praise you, Lord. So there is a focus shift that takes place during Holy Week from self to Savior. On Palm Sunday, it's save us, Lord. And on Easter Sunday morning, it is 
praise you, Lord. Praise you. Why? Because he saved us. He sent our one and only Savior, his son, Jesus Christ. As the scripture tells us, that if you believe that Jesus is the one and only Son of God and that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. And that's why we are here to celebrate today. That focus shift that takes us from self, save me, Lord, to thank you, Lord. And I hope that that helps you. I'm getting the, my chills. I can do my Jesus jig today. But that gives me chills thinking about uh, just the transition that takes place. From focusing on self, save me, Lord Jesus, to thank you, Lord Jesus, for saving me. And that takes place in a week. It's an extraordinary week, to be sure. And so this morning, as we are gathering here for this Resurrection Sunday celebration, this Resurrection morning, I want us to turn our attention to the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, the first 10 verses. And I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. Uh, because there's some details in this that I want to focus on as we go through it. Uh, I am going to uh, read a few lines, and then I may... Just press pause. You can press pause in your mind. I may unpack a, couple, a thing or two, but we'll, we'll get through it together, I promise. Uh, plenty in time to get home for, uh, for lunch. Anyway, so now on the first day of the week. Now, the way that this works, the first day of the week, it actually begins at sunset the day before. The new day begins it's like 6 p.m. or so the day before. Uh, but that time of darkness is supposed to be a time of rest. And so specifically because... In the Jewish culture, they were still in the Sabbath until sunrise on the first day of the week or sunrise on Sunday morning. And so we see now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. Now, that tomb, she expected to see Jesus' dead body in it, right? Well, just any tomb. It was the borrowed tomb in which Jesus was laid. So she came to the tomb early, and as John tells us, it was still dark. In other words, the sun had not yet Risen, And when I say the sun had not yet risen, I'm talking about the, you know, the, that sphere of gases and light up in, the, up in the sky. It was still dark. So we get this idea that Mary just could not wait any longer. She could not wait any longer to get to the tomb where Jesus was. She was already pushing the limit, so to speak. And when she got there, she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Now, pressing pause again really quickly here. What we know about Jesus' execution, is on that Good Friday, after he was killed, he was laid in a borrowed tomb. He was so poor, the creator and king of the universe didn't even have his own place to be laid, so he's laid inside of a borrowed tomb. But it was so late, the Sabbath was just about to begin, that they just essentially wrapped him and placed him in the tomb, and the intent was to come on the first day of the week after the Sabbath ended, in order for them to prepare the body. Now, because the authorities who saw to it that Jesus was killed and his movement was stopped, they were a little concerned because they remembered hearing little echoes and whispers about how Jesus had said that he was going to be betrayed, handed over into the hands of sinners, executed, and on the third day rise again. So the authorities wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. So what they did in front of that borrowed tomb was they rolled a stone. Now, friends, this wasn't a stone like you might see out in our gravel parking lot here. This is a big stone. And it was so big that it was probably even a little rut in the ground so that it could be rolled. And this is a stone that, could, that wasn't just going to be rolled by like one people or two people. It probably took 
several people, strong, strapping people, to be able to roll that tomb into, or that stone into place of the tomb. The Gospel of Matthew tells us they went an extra step. They didn't just roll the stone in front of the tomb, but they actually sealed the tomb. And to put the cherry on top of that Sunday, even though it was Friday, I, I know it's confusing, I'm not even spelling Sunday properly, but forgive me. What they did was they put a garrison of Roman troops there to guard the tomb. So we have this giant stone rolled in front, sealed, and guarded by Roman soldiers. That's what Mary expected to see. When she got there, though, we don't see any mention of soldiers. We see that the stone had been rolled away. And we don't necessarily see it, but she knows that the tomb is empty. So pick up with verse 2. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, press pause really quickly, this other disciple who is referenced in the third person is actually John himself, who is the writer of the Gospel of John. And he's referring to himself in the third person, you know, kind of like, you know, LeBron James plays basketball or Mark Jordan preached, something like that, right? He's referring to himself in the third person. Uh, but he also gets a couple little digs in it, Peter. We'll talk about that in a second. But anyway, picking up. They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. <laughs> Don't you let out a little detail? I got you, Peter. And stooping to look in, he, talking about John again, saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, probably one-upping John. He went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. Again, this is John probably giving a little dig in at Peter. I saw it, and I believed it. For as yet, they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. This is the word of God for God's people in this Easter Sunday. Let's give thanks to God. Amen. Amen. All right, so what we see here is that the tomb is empty. Jesus' tomb is empty. And you'll see that on the, on the screen. The tomb was empty, right? Now, there's some context to this that I want to mention because of the three individuals that we see mentioned here. The first, of course, is Mary Magdalene. Mary was so intent to get to the place where Jesus' body was expected to be that she even got out before daybreak. She was even breaking that biblical law, so to speak, to get out before the Sabbath officially ended. She just pushed in the envelope just a little bit, but she did it out of grief and despair. Have you ever been in a spot of grief and despair? It was like, I'll give anything to be able to see a loved one one last time. That's where she was. She, she had that yearning and that burning in her heart to be able to, to see Jesus' body one more time and to be able to offer the ritual preparation. Now, one of the reasons that she probably was also very, very adamant that she do this was because in Jewish teaching and tradition, it was believed that the soul of a deceased person stayed with the body, but on the third day, the soul departed and went to heaven. This was the beginning of the third day, and so Mary wanted to get there and make sure that she did the honor and the proper thing for Jesus' body 
that was commended in Scripture and commended by tradition. She wanted to do the right thing for him before his spirit departed and went to God. She was moved by grief, but also moved with passion and purpose. One of the things that strikes me about this image is we see that Mary struck out. She did not have a plan to face the Roman guards that we know of. But I know from seeing my own mother and my own wife and others who get that mama bear instinct, like, don't mess with my guy, right? She was ready to go face those Roman guards nose to nose. She didn't have a plan to deal with them. She didn't have a plan to get the stone out of the way. But she knew she was going and she was going to go do it and she was going to go do the right thing. She was intent and indignant and insistent that the right thing be done. But she gets there. No guards. The stones rolled away. Nobody. So she goes back. But part of what's important about this is in the biblical times, women were considered to be unreliable witnesses. Mary goes back and she tells Peter and she tells John and the other disciples what they had seen. Why is this important? It's important because what we see God doing here is beginning to lay some of the framework for being able to address and to counteract some of the reasons people might use to discount or discredit Christ's resurrection. They'd be able to say, yeah, but the first first person who witnessed this was a woman, so I don't know that I can take that. Wasn't just anyone, it was a woman who loved Jesus deeply and Jesus loved her deeply. And so she goes and then she tells Peter. Now Peter, he has an interesting story himself, doesn't he? He's the one who said, Jesus, you're going to be executed and crucified over my dead body. And then when the time came for Peter to be strong and to be courageous, what did he do? He denied Jesus and he ran and he fled. Peter had every reason to try to offer and to indicate that what had actually happened was he allowed himself to be duped by some charlatan. But Peter, again, put his neck out on the line for Jesus. He was willing to lend whatever little bit of credibility he had left. But then there was also John. John who never left Jesus' side. John who was there at the crucifixion. John who even Jesus positioned to take care of his very own mother. So we have three different witnesses that the world could look at and say, you have someone who loved Jesus dearly, but was a woman. You have someone who loved Jesus dearly, but fled out of his own cowardice. And you have someone who loved Jesus dearly and stayed with him to the very end. And all three of them saw the same thing. The tomb was empty. Pick for yourself the witness you want to pay attention to. But they all are saying the same thing. Different motivations could cause them to maybe want to say something differently, but they didn't. So they get to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. With all the emotions, with all the feelings, with all the wrestling and wrangling that they had in their own spirits about what they had experienced over the last several days. They found the empty tomb. Friends, I want to ask you a question as we are gathered here this morning. Do you come here today feeling empty yourself? Do you come here today to this place called Hope Church that we we call a place of hope? Hoping to find some hope? Do you feel empty because of the loss of a loved one? Do you feel lost because of the loss of a job? Do you feel empty because of uh, bad diagnoses that at the doctor's office or something bad going on at work? Do you feel empty because you know you're going to have to stop off and fill up your car before you can get home? 
Or do you feel empty because, you know, you got to go to the grocery store after this is over and then hope that there's enough stuff left on the bare shelves already to be able to prepare some type of a meal? Do you feel empty because, you know, you're going to have to go to a family meal and see someone who haven't seen in a while and you just assume not see them for a while again? All these different reasons that we experience in life can cause us to feel emptiness. We all have reasons in our life with the stress, the struggle, the strain, all the other words that we can come up with that cause us to wonder, to worry, to doubt, to feel confused. The individuals that we see from our text today, Peter, Mary, and John, all had their own reasons for feeling empty, and their takeaway from the tomb was very different. Mary is grief-stricken. Peter's probably looking for a fight. He's probably ready to try to recover some of the mistakes that he made from the day before. And John's looking for his friend. Another little dig that John probably gets in at Peter's expense is John tells us that he was the first one who believed in the resurrection. But there's an important little nugget that I don't want us to just fly by really quickly that John offers us is that they began to believe it, but they didn't quite understand it. Do you hear me there? They began to believe it, but they didn't quite understand it. Because of the conditions of their soul, the things that they had been through, the life that they were living, they were beginning to believe, but they didn't quite understand it. Maybe that's similar to how you find yourself here today, all the junk and the stuff going on in the world. You, you believe it, but you're having a hard time understanding it. Friends, you're in good company. This is a mystery. This is really something quite extraordinary for us to try to begin to, to wrap our mind around. How is it that a loving God, the Father, would send his one and only Son to experience the torture and the torment of crucifixion and execution. What kind of a dad would do that to his one and only son? Can you think of one? And why? I don't quite understand why this is. What we see in the scriptures, they're beginning to believe it, but they had a hard time understanding it. That's because they didn't quite understand everything that was transpiring, the things that we, we talked about during our Holy Week experience here at Hope Church this week. That every single person in this world, bar none, except Jesus, of course, has a sin problem. And the only one who could fix that sin problem was God himself. So he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to take the penalty of that sin so that you didn't have to, that I didn't have to. He took it himself. And when he took that, he also took on God's wrath and fulfilled God's promise of justice. It's not like God can say, oh, you know, we're going to let that one slide. God said, no, there must be justice for the mistakes past, present, and future. And Jesus took them all on himself. And he was laid in that tomb and with his body in that tomb. Your sins, past, present, and future, and even your entire human nature that leads you to want to sin, right? You want to covet. You want to indulge. You want to, you know, just lie, steal, chill, gossip, whatever. You want to do these things. You know it's not right. Jesus died for that. And all of that was buried in the tomb. And on the third day, as Jesus promised, he was raised. All of these things that you feel, perhaps, were in that empty tomb. But was the tomb really empty? Now, before you go and think I'm 
preaching heresy here. Was the tomb really empty? John gives us some hints for this. One of the first things that we notice is that the burial cloths are still there. Jesus' body had not yet fully been prepared for burial. And so because the Sabbath was quickly coming, they just wrapped him up and they stuck him in the tomb with the plan and the intent to come back on Sunday morning and to finish that preparation before his body could leave to go be with God. And so when they get there, they look inside the tomb and they see two things. His burial cloths, separate. On one hand, it was the sheet just kind of wadded up on the side. I think about how the sheets on my bed most probably likely look right now. Because when my alarm went off, I threw those sheets back and I'm like, it's Easter. I can't wait to get to church today, right? I just threw those sheets over and I got up and I put my shoes on. I walked the dog and I was loving on the cats and I was getting my sermon ready, listening to music. I even went for a three-mile run today before, uh, before here. I just, that's how much energy I had to try to burn off before today. Imagine what I'd be like without it, right? So, but the sheet was just thrown off to the side. But not the headcloth. What did John tell us about the headcloth? folded neatly. This is a linen napkin that I have that we use for our services of Holy Communion. In fact, we use this one this past Thursday evening. Remembering in that service, we talked about how Jesus' body becomes the bread that we consume and his blood is the wine. And that nourishes us and feeds us in our redemptive, redemptive and redemptive lives of helping the world know of God's love. The official translation talks about the head covering as a napkin. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, it's not this kind of a napkin. The way that that translates has more to do with the wrapping, but just kind of work with me here because that's the way the words, the words were translated. But what we see was that the head covering was taken off and it was neatly folded and laid to the side. What does this indicate to you? I'll tell you what it indicates to me. I've already mentioned about the, the clothes around his body just thrown off like, yeah, it's a brand new day forever, and I'm running into eternity. But before I go, I'm going to take my head covering, and I'm going to fold it, and I'm going to lay it down neatly as a sign to those who come and see that this was intentional. This wasn't an accident. Grave robbers would not have undressed his body in advance, let alone take the time to fold the head covering. This was an intentional message from Jesus to show the excitement of I'm getting up, I'm getting out of this tomb, but I'm going to take the time to neatly fold this and leave it creased as a sign that I'm here. I'm not done yet. It translates or transfers our it is finished from Good Friday to I'm just getting started of Easter Sunday morning. The tomb was not empty because with the grave clothes just thrown off to the side and the headcloth folded nicely. Something else filled that tomb that morning. It was hope. It was hope that the promise that Jesus had mentioned, even though the disciples didn't fully understand it all yet, it was hope 
that what he was saying was true. It was hope that it wasn't done. It was just getting started. And the power of resurrection that filled that tomb and filled Jesus' body and brought him back from the grave was now being made available to every single person who saw and believed, even though they may not yet quite understand what it all meant or how it was all supposed to be. They were filled with that power. And my friends, I want you to hear that this morning and feel that promise that even if you're here this morning and you're, you're starting to believe that it's true, you don't fully understand it yet, that you are in good company. It was the case for Peter and John and Mary. It's been the case for me in times of my life. And it's been the case for scores of people throughout millennia. So I believe it, Lord. I don't quite fully understand it. But help me. Help me learn. Help me grow. That tomb wasn't really empty. It was filled with resurrection power. And it was filled with hope. And with that is the evidence that can fill you with hope this resurrection morning. You hear that? The evidence of the empty tomb can fill you with hope on this resurrection morning. You can be filled with the power of resurrection. The same power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that can fill your life and bring you the hope that you need to live differently as a result. I'm sure you've probably been sitting here wondering, what in the world is he going to do with a vase full of ping pong balls and a pitcher of water? I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to tell you. I want you to think of this vase as though it is your life. And all of these ping pong balls in here represent the stress and the struggle and the strain of things that, that cause us to doubt, to wonder, to worry, to find grief and despair. All of these things, bad doctor's reports, problems in marriages or relationships with uh, siblings or parents or children, uh, Gas prices, home prices, inflation, unrest, war, everything. All of this, these ping pong balls represent just the crud that we experience in life. When we do a baptism in the church, this is the picture I use for our baptisms. When we do that, we fill it with water. And that water is representative to us. It's symbolic of the Holy Spirit that God sends with that same resurrecting power. And what we do is we ask the power of God to rest upon the water to transform it into the cleansing power that brings resurrection into our everyday living, walking, working life. To come in and meet the struggles and the strife and the strain that we experience. And when we do, we see something miraculous begin to happen. Is that when the power of resurrection is really truly invited and allowed to live fully into our lives, it fills our lives. And it causes all of the junk and the mess, the misses, the mistakes. It causes it all to just rise to the top. We talk about our cup overflowing <laughs> and run a thing over. This is supposed to work. Best laid plans, right? Thank you, ping pong balls. We see that power of God fill us to the top. Now, right now, you know there's something in there. You know there's water in there. And the water's still a little bit disrupted. But in a moment when it settles, especially if I'm still, it'll be as though it's empty again. It'll seem as though that which was 
emptied of the ping pong balls is just empty in general, but it, it isn't. It looks like it. But it isn't. Because it's full. It's full of the water that represents God's Holy Spirit and God's power, the resurrection. And so what we see happening is when we allow our lives to be filled and reminded of all of the junk that we've accumulated over our years, we see that God comes in and picks up those pieces and tries to help us find meaning and purpose. And that doesn't mean that life's going to be perfect because we're still going to experience the death of loved ones. We are still going to experience financial uncertainty. We're still going to experience failures in health. Failures in relationships. Failures at work. Failures at life. We're still going to make mistakes. We're still going to make a mess of things. We're still going to miss the mark. But what happens when we allow ourselves to remain filled with God's resurrecting power? None of this stuff can penetrate. And we can pray to God and he comes in and he continues to remove the messes, the misses, the mistakes. Picking up the pieces that we drop along the way. And helping us to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that his love is real. And when it's real, even the messes and the misses and the mistakes of life cannot penetrate our soul. And sink us forever. This, my friends is the evidence of God's filling, resurrection, power, and hope that was in that tomb on resurrection morning is in this room here today and is available for you if you ask. You see, the power of resurrection that brought Jesus back from the tomb is the same power that God wants to fill your life with today. He wants you to be filled with the hope of his resurrection. To look around and you see the messes and misses and the mistakes that we have, but also to see the evidence, the intentionality, that the things that we do are all in God's hands. The same hands that carved out the oceans at creation. The same hands that cradled the feet of the disciples, those who would betray him and deny him, yet he still washed their feet before his last supper. The same hands that broke the bread and passed the cup. The same hands that took the nail on the cross are the same hands that are available for you right here today with an invitation that says, come to me. Come to me, all you weary sinners, and let me welcome you home with God's resurrecting, life-giving power. Sometimes it's hard to understand, but there's just something about the human soul that resonates with that idea of being at home in Christ. He talked about it and talked about it before he was betrayed. When he told the disciples that he was about to leave, and it was a good thing for him to leave because when he did, that means the Holy Spirit was going to come, resurrect him, fill our lives with God's Spirit and power. But when he left... He was going to prepare a place for you so that where he is, you may also be. That verse has been translated many different ways. Somehow you have a home in, in heaven, a mansion with many rooms. But the key of that is the same. Is that Jesus wants to welcome you home. As you accept his love and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness in your heart to change you from the inside out. 
you welcome him home. And when you welcome him home, he comes into your heart and into your life and he fills you with the same power that resurrected him from the grave to give you a brand new lease of life so that even though you're still going to face the troubles and the drama of life, none of these can penetrate you. They, they can't undo you. They cannot sink you as long as your faith continues to be fueled and filled with God's holy love and resurrecting power. That tomb was emptied on resurrection morning, but filled with hope. God wants to welcome you home and help you to find a homecoming into eternity that was made and set aside just for you. So as the band makes their way back up to lead us in our closing song, and we bring this Easter Sunday message to a close, I want you to hear this invitation. That if you've yet to receive the grace and peace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to fill your heart and to resurrect your life from all of the bad things that have ever happened to you and could ever happen to you, don't let this moment pass you by. Or perhaps you accepted Jesus days or decades ago and got off the path somewhere along the way. Let this be a moment and an opportunity for you to come back to Jesus and say, Dear Lord, I welcome you home into my life as I prepare to be welcomed home in time to where you are because I want to be where you are forever just because you want me to be there with you forever. And if you're just trying to seek out how God wants to move and work within your life, I want you to know that you are available to receive that same resurrecting power that brought Jesus back from the grave to give you a whole new lease on life and life everlasting. Will you pray with me, please? Living, loving God, I thank you for today and I thank you for the power of your resurrection. Lord, forgive us for the times when we confuse belief with understanding and we think that just because we don't always understand it, that means that we don't believe it. That's not the case. And thank you for giving us the freedom to question and to wonder and to work through what it means to be saved and to welcome you home in our lives. And I pray that this day, as we confront the empty tomb, we may empty ourselves of all of the junk that we have in our heart and our mind and our soul so that we may be filled with your hope and with your resurrecting power to bring our life out of the depths and the dredges of life to begin to see the hope and the glory of salvation. So Almighty God, pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us who are gathered here. May we feel and experience the power of your resurrection bringing us back from despair and into hope. And so, Lord God, as we welcome you home into our lives and we know that you welcome us home into heaven, I pray that we may await with great expectation and anticipation that homecoming that is available to all of us because we are yours. We believe, even in those times we find it hard, we believe. So help us, Lord Jesus, keep that power flowing and surging through us that we may be your people here at Hope Church in this community and throughout all creation, representing all the power of your resurrecting love that enables us to face the future unafraid, to face the future with you. I ask this in the holy, helping, healing name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at Place of Hope. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.